Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here. Amen. 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 Praise God. What an exciting time it is. What an exciting time it has been. Um, I want us to give a really big, blasting shout out to our Bayville campus. Would you help me do that? Come on, let's just just welcome them. Amen. We had an amazing, amazing weekend last week. For those of you that might be new to our congregation or maybe you just started attending and might not be aware of what's going on, but last Sunday, we launched our Bayville campus with an amazing, amazing service. Just uh, For those of you that were there, you, re- you know what I'm talking about. So, Bayville, congratulations on a successful grand opening. Now, um, I want to speak to those people in Bayville that belong in Bricktown. Get back here now. Amen? Amen. We need those seats empty down there for for new people. We we have 175 seats in the sanctuary, uh, and we had 200 people seated in there. And between uh, the children and volunteers, there's about 300 people in the service last week. That is amazing. It's so timely that we're talking about church. We're talking about what the church is, and this is the goal. This is part two, the the last part of this two-part series that I'll be finishing uh, this weekend. And so our our, our goal for this series is that we would establish a clear foundational understanding of who we are and what our purpose is. And if if you really think about this, think about what's happening on the national scene. Think about what's happening within our culture. Think about what's happening in our society. Uh, I can't think of another organization that is so criticized, so misunderstood, so maligned, so persecuted than the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's funny because it is the most necessary entity in our world right now. We understand the benefits of everyday church life. We understand that we're to have an appreciation for what the Lord Jesus Christ has, has brought to life uh, through his death, burial, and resurrection. The church on the earth is Jesus' representation here. It is his vehicle for carrying out the ministry of salvation to the lost. But it is also his mechanism of making sure that his body of believers is healthy, is, is growing, is uh, establishing themselves in purpose in Christ. Amen? Amen. So, just to do a real quick, quick review, um, I want you to get this statement. If you were not here last week, and I want you to get the statement deep down in your heart, the church was Jesus' idea. I want you to know that if you were here last weekend, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, just, just say this with me real quick. It was his idea. Now, turn, turn to somebody next to you and say, it's his idea. Now, now, why am I making a big deal out of this? Because society and man-made tradition has twisted this thing around, and even many believers, and it's unfortunate because there are some believers that have just, just fallen for the idea or fallen for the lie, well, church isn't important because church is a man-made thing. No, 
No, we talked about this last week. It was his idea. He said, I'll build my church. Listen to Matthew 16 again. I talked about this last weekend. We're going to go over it again. Matthew 16, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, the person he probably expected the least to have the answer, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this in the You didn't come up with this yourself, Peter. But my father who's in heaven. And verse 18, watch this now. And I also say to you that you are Peter. Remember we talked about this little rock. And on this gigantic rock, the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, I will build my church. Whose church is it? It's his. Who's going to build it? He is. Whose idea was it? His. Let's make that clear. The New Testament makes it very, very clear. We saw last week that even the disciples had no idea that this concept of the church was coming on the scene. They were waiting for Jesus to come and take up his throne and get rid of the Romans, but they didn't understand that there was going to be at least, at least, at minimum, of a 2,000-year gap. It was going to be 2,000 years. And I say minimum because we're in it now. We're at, we're at the very end of that 2,000-year period. I believe that it is not impossible for us to see the return. Amen. We physically, with our own eyes, it is not impossible that we're going to see the return of the Lord Jesus Christ physically, physically to this world. So the church was, it is the very center of God's purpose to reach and redeem the lost world. Now, take this into consideration. I, I want you to now start listening. This is new material I'm going to be giving you. The church in the scriptures is never referred to as optional. Their, their Bible speaks nothing about an unchurched or disconnected Christian. Yeah, we see so many individuals, especially today in this day and age, so many individuals that are deciding that, well, I'm just going to stay home and have church, you know, just me. That's not church. That's not church. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says that God automatically added people to the church when they were saved. When a person is born again, when a person receives Christ as the Lord and Savior, God already has a plan of where they're to be planted, where they're to, where they're to grow, where they are to flourish, where they produce fruit. And he's, we're talking about fruit in other people's lives, not just to come to be part of a church to see what you're going to get out of it. Amen. You just say this, I'm not selfish. I'm not selfish. Turn to somebody else, say, I know you're not selfish. The church is a supernatural event that occurs whenever two or more people join together to enjoy his presence. Amen? Amen. Jesus reinforced that. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. He said this, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. There's no place in the scriptures do you see a person become a believer. They receive Christ, and then they're on their own. Nowhere. Nowhere. Even in the early church, they went in their houses and went and broke bread together. We're talking about they observed the Lord's Supper together. It's always together. They shared everything they had together. They enjoyed the presence of God together. They saw miracles take place together. Key word is what? 
Come on, guys. Key word is? Together. Remember that we, the church, are the physical manifestation of Jesus Christ on the earth. That he's counting on us. He's empowering us. He's enabling us. He is giving us opportunities to reach other people that don't know him yet. That's who you are. He empowers us to be able to carry that out. Now, I want to bring something else out to you. Again, what's the goal? To, to stir up again the appreciation for this entity that Christ suffered and died to bring about on the earth. To stir up again an appreciation for that person that's sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you. That we would see them the, we, the way Jesus sees us. Amen? Amen? Here's a statement I want to make to you. I want you to grab a hold of this. If you don't understand it right away, give me, give, me, give, me, give me a few minutes. I'm going to explain it. The church came from the heart of Jesus, just as Eve came from the heart of Adam. I want you to grasp that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he, God, took one of his ribs and, and in Hebrew, it really insinuates more of what's behind the ribs. And close up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Woman was taken out of his side. So we could say it this way, Adam carried his bride in his side. God was much more merciful to Adam than he was to Jesus. Adam was put to sleep in order to bring his wife out. Jesus suffered horribly to bring forth his bride, the church, from his heart. John chapter 19, verse 32. We're at the site of the crucifixion. I want you to picture this. The Jewish leaders wanted these bodies off of the crosses before Passover started. And so orders were given for the soldiers to break their legs. Normally, the crucifixion process was anywhere from two to three days, sometimes even longer, before a person would expire. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with her. Remember, Jesus is crucified, and on either side are two thieves. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. The power of the church, listen to me, the power of the church is based on the blood of Jesus, the Messiah, and the water of the word of God. Without the blood, we have no redemption. Without the word, we have no growth, no revelation, no truth. The foundation of the church is the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of God. The church is precious in the sight of Jesus because of what it cost him to bring into existence. Much like a child is precious to a mother due to the pain and suffering endured to bring him or her into the world. My mom's in heaven now. 
But I remember for years and for decades, every birthday, I would hear the same thing. If you only knew the pain that I went through for hours, and I know Ma, I would tell her, yeah, I started at this time, and I was born at this time, and the nurses kept coming in, and the doctors, and all I know, Ma, you told me. But think about that. Very much like what we're talking about. The pain, the suffering that he endured. Now, if you, if you and I were there, and I'm sure the disciples, John was there, the women were there, the disciples were hiding someplace, but they, they all understood this by this point, that they were watching Jesus fulfill Isaiah 53. Pierced, bruised, nailed to a piece of wood for us. And they would have understood that by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed spiritually, physically, emotionally. But they could not have had a clue that what he was doing was laying the foundation for a group of individuals that would live on this planet after he left. All they could think of is our sins are being forgiven. Our sins are being paid for. He's fulfilling scripture. He is the Messiah. We get to go to heaven. What they couldn't understand is that it wasn't just for them to go to heaven. That the suffering, the bloodshed, the scourging was to bring forth a group of people like you and I. That we would be able to be empowered. Listen, I appreciate that. I wish I had more of it. Listen. We've allowed our hearts to get cold. We take for granted, especially because of the country that we live in. We take for granted the entity of the church. When a person decides to walk out of their house on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or Saturday night or whenever, whenever, whenever their group happens to meet, they're not taking their life in their hands. Not here. Not yet. But there's countries all over the world where just to even make known where you're going and who you're going to meet with and what you're going to do when you get there could potentially be a death sentence. And so in those nations, in those people groups, they don't fight and gossip and backbite as much as you see here in this country. Why? Because they understand the sacrifice when a person declares themselves to be a Christian and when a pastor goes to an individual location and decides, I'm going to stay here, I'm going to put my life on the line in order for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forth and touch these people. God forgive us for how cold we've gotten. God forgive us for allowing all that natural thinking to come into our heads that we would have appreciation for one another. Francis Chan, I'm sure many of you are familiar with him, a powerful Christian author, recently wrote, there is no greater honor on earth than to be part of God's church. When, this is, this is, this is I'm still quoting him, when was the last time you were awestruck by the fact that you are part of Christ's body? 
Have you ever marveled at this privilege? A year ago, in September, most of you were part of a celebration that we conducted in Tom's River. It was our 20th anniversary. We just completed our 21st year, September the 14th. The day before we had that service at the uh, arena there in Tom's River, my wife and I went in the mid-afternoon. Our teams were there setting up. The worship team was there practicing for the next day. We walked into that room and saw, I think, nearly 1,300 chairs set up. And the impact hit me. Oh, my God. If we hadn't said yes to God's plan, we wouldn't be part of this amazing group of individuals called New Beginnings Church. And I can't, I can't express to you in words, and, and I couldn't have until I stepped into the position of pastor. Because for, for the first 14 years, 11 years, somewhere in that area, 11 years of my life in Christ, I sat in a chair like you. I served. Served in a lot of different areas. Served in every area, I think, except for the nursery. And there was a reason for that. <laughs> Having changed diapers for four sons, I did my part. You guys take the nursery. So you don't have the... You, 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 there is no way for you to look at things through the eyes of a pastor until you step into the position of a pastor. Okay? And I'm not complaining. I wouldn't give this up for anything because this is what I was born to do. You hear me? But I, I, look, this, I didn't even get to my point yet. I never had an appreciation for the body of Christ, either corporately or individually, until I stepped into this position. And it's kind of funny because, you see, when you step, like in other words, 21 years ago when I stepped in this position, all of a sudden I went, wow, I have a real appreciation for the church, but man, I have such an appreciation for my former pastors. I had no, also, this is what this feels like. But listen to me. When I sat in the chair and cried my eyes out the day before our anniversary celebration, it was because I saw every one of those empty seats filled with awesome, dedicated, loving, passionate individuals that are called the church. Amen. Don't let the devil ever minimize who we are as the body of Christ. You are a believer. If you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you said a prayer, whether it was 30 years ago or whether it was yesterday, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're the Son of God. When you declare the same thing that Simon Peter, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You become part of the most powerful entity on this earth that has the ability to pray 
and stop the devil that has the ability to pray and see even nature change and weather change and circumstance change and sicknesses come off of people and insanity leave individuals and devils stop affecting individuals. You have that. You are the church. Turn to somebody, say, you are the church. And you've got power. You got weak on that one. Let's do it again. You are the church. And you have power. I want to continue that quote from Francis Chan. He quotes Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29 and 30. Let me read it again. Let me read it from the top. There is no greater honor on earth than to be part of God's church. When was the last time you marveled by the fact that you are part of Christ's body? Have you ever marveled at this privilege? Ephesians 5, for no one ever hated his own flesh, talking about Jesus and the church, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Every believer needs to stare at those verses long enough to be stunned. I mean really stunned. Again, I'm quoting Francis Chan. Paul referred to it as a profound mystery. The miracle is that you are a human being who is currently joined to a God, listen, who dwells in unapproachable light, according to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16. The mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32. It was a mystery. And therefore, because it was a mystery, it could have never been man's ideas. Has man, throughout the centuries, tainted it? At times, even corrupted it? At times, steered it in the wrong direction? But I'll remind you of something else that also happened through the centuries. It was also men who were inspired by the Holy Ghost that got rid of the corruption, brought it back on track, and brought back the original emphasis of what the church meant to be. So stop emphasizing the negative and start re-emphasizing the commander's intent. What do you mean, Pastor? The commander's intent is this. On Easter Sunday night, the very first Resurrection Sunday, the disciples are gathered in a room, but they're paralyzed with fear. Because they figured if they killed him, they're going to kill us. And Jesus shows up on the scene. You remember this. And the very first thing he says to the disciples is to go preach forgiveness. Next, he blows on them. And just like God blew into the nostrils of Adam, Jesus breathes into the nostrils of the church and breathes his spirit into them. And he released them with his intent. Go preach the gospel. What is the gospel? That Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, God in the flesh came to this earth, revealed the Father in heaven, to people who had long forgotten about him. Demonstrated the power of the Father as he went about preaching, teaching, and healing. 
Then as the Lamb of God went to the cross and made payment for your sins and for my sins and the sins of the entire world. That was received. His blood was received by our Father in heaven as payment for our sins. And forgiveness was issued to all mankind. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That's the gospel. So the intent of our Savior has always been that those who confess him, what does confess mean? To say the same as what the word says about Jesus. That those who would confess him as the son of the living God, as the Savior, as Messiah, as the Lamb of God, risen from the dead, would enter into this group of individuals, this family of God on the earth, the body of Christ, commissioned, empowered, and equipped to bring that message to every living human being on this planet. The church is God's field, God's temple in which he dwells. The family of God, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Bible commands us to cherish one another, love one another, consider the other believer more highly than yourself. And so I ask you, look at the person next to you. Look at the person in front of you. Jesus loves that person. And because Jesus loves that person, we must also. I didn't say it was going to be easy. We must honor that person. And we need to treat that person with the same value that Jesus attached to that person. As members of God's church, we are commanded to carry each other's burdens, to pray for one another, and most importantly, most importantly, to forgive one another and make allowances for each other's faults. Can I ask you this question? How successful would an army be at either attacking an area or defending an area if they spent all their time, or a good majority of their time, fighting amongst each other, gossiping amongst each other, refusing to align themselves under the commanders and leadership and authority that were established by the person in charge of that army. How successful would they be? Not very. Not very. And if the church, the body of Christ, the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, will get their heads out of the sand and understand that when you're being prompted to, to get upset with someone in the church, when you're, when you're prompted or given a reason to, to get offended at someone else who was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are being inspired by the enemy of our souls. The accuser of the brethren. The one who is an expert at bringing division and strife and confusion and every evil work. Are you listening to me? Now, please don't sit there and, and start thinking to yourself, well, he's talking to our church. I'm talking to the church. 
I'm talking to the church. This is an organization built on and fueled by love. Jesus said, the quality with which we love each other will be the identifying mark of who we belong to. John chapter 13, verse 34, says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, now hear me out here. If you studied, or if you just read through the New Testament letters, Paul especially constantly uses marriage between a man and a woman as symbolic of the relationship with Jesus and the church. Yes or no? We're referred to the body of Christ. We're given instructions in the scriptures, especially in Ephesians chapter 5, for husband and wife. The man is commanded to love the wife. Why would we have to be commanded to love the wife? Because in ourselves, it doesn't come natural. Not one human being on this earth has ever come natural to love another individual because of our fallen nature, because of the residue of our fallen nature in our minds that are not renewed yet, we have the tendency to go into default of selfishness. Now, the wife is commanded to honor and to respect the husband. Why? Because most of the time we do things that don't deserve that. Not just now. Go all the way back to the garden. Did Adam honor and respect his wife by not giving her clear command of what God had said? No, he did not. He was negligent. I don't, I don't want to judge his motives. I don't know why. But the fact is, he was negligent. He did not give her the tools he, she needed to successfully navigate life in the garden. She would have had no idea that there was an enemy there. She would have had no idea that a snake could be used by the devil to shipwreck mankind. So it doesn't come natural. We are constantly told in the scriptures, love one another. Not just through Jesus's, not just in his words. Peter tells us we're supposed to love each other with white hot, fervent love. Paul tells us that our faith won't even work if we don't have love. We are constantly told about love. Why? Because love is the only glue that will hold us together. As in a marriage, in a family, in the body of Christ. What does the enemy constantly go after? Love. What do many, many, not all, but what do many Christians struggle with in their, in their personal life, and in their thought life? Does God really love me? Does another person, do they, my spouse, my whatever, friend, my, do they really love me? Love is always the object of the enemy's division, divisiveness, his strife, 
lies, deceit. Because if you shut down love, you shut down everything. So you and I, in a very real way, need to take the instructions that were given in the scriptures. And I want to go specifically to the instructions that are given us in the scriptures pertaining to marriage and apply them to the church. Now, in a marriage, you have two flawed human beings that are trying to not kill each other. Come on. Don't look at me like, if you've been married longer than a week, you found this out already. <laughs> but we're given instructions. And he's given us the tools to succeed. There, there has to be forgiveness. There has to be, an, you have to go into, for that matter, you have to go into every relationship with this in mind. There's going to be opportunities to get offended. There's going to be opportunities to want to get away from that person. There's going to be opportunities to not value them. There's going to be opportunities to see all their flaws, all their character issues. But you see, the other person is dealing with the same thing. So when offense comes, when someone hurts the other person, whether it's, whether it's intended or not, you have to make the choice. The cause is more important than the offense. And here's why some marriages, and again, I am not trying to open up any wounds for anyone that's gone through divorce or, or you might be in a mess right now. I am, this is not my intention. It's not to open up wounds, but it is to raise a level of awareness. Relationships. I'm talking especially about marriages, begin to fall apart when one or the other forgets the cause. God said it's not good for man to be alone. I will give him a helper. Help me, you know, King James. Helper, helper. I've talked about this before when I talk about marriage. I talk about this many times in the marriage ceremonies. When I read that, I go, wait a second, something doesn't line up here. It is not good for man to be alone. Well, it's not good for man to be alone, then I need company. I need a companion. But he doesn't use the word companion. He uses the word Helper. Help me do what? Feel more lonely? A helper is assigned to an individual to help them accomplish something. If more people would realize you're in a marriage relationship because you're supposed to produce something, raise godly children. Give a good example for others that are not married yet or for people that have gotten married but they're, they're, they're not in relationship with Christ. So, so if you keep that cause in front of your eyes, then when he acts like a jerk, you go, okay. 
I married the jerk. But you know what? There are times when he comes out of his jerkness and we accomplish some things. There's times when she comes out of her whatever. I don't want to get in trouble. I got to go home with her. There's times when, you know, we actually accomplish some things. If we'll keep the cause, then when the bumps come in the road, you go, it's all right, it's just a bump. We're going to the other side, and we're going to just keep going. There's going to be more bumps, but guess what? We're going to get on the other side. We're going to keep going. We're going to accomplish some things. Now, let's, let's take that to the church. When we understand and realize the goal, when we understand and realize the cause, what is the cause? Go into every nation. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Empower them. Reproduce yourself in them so they can go and do the same thing, Jesus said to the disciples, that I've taught you to do. So here's the cause. What's the cause? What's the cause? So what's the cause of the church? That we would have these gigantic buildings? That we would have these international ministries and thank God for them? But what's the cause of the church? The cause of the church is that there would be a human witness. There would be people. There would be human beings on this earth that reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. And that when people outside these doors that we come in contact with, they would walk away and say, something different about that one. There's something different about, there's some, listen, come on. There's something different about that marriage. There's something different about that family. There's something different about that employee. I've had employees, but this one here, there's something different about that employee. There's something different about that businessman. There's something different. That we then, when we have the opportunity to say, let me tell you what's different. Because I thought the same thing. 34 years ago, I I was in the catering business. I catered a wedding for 400 people that turned out to be 400 born-again Christians. And I kept walking into the banquet hall. It was a wedding. And I got all my, some of you have heard me tell this testimony before. I got all my team together. There was nine of us there, cooks and, and, and waitresses and waiters and, and busboys. And I got them all together. I said, look, I don't know what these people are about, but I know they don't curse. They don't smoke. So, so just act nice. Don't, don't, I don't want nobody cursing because I want to get paid. I didn't know that while I was talking to my crew, they stopped everything they were doing and all 400 of those people prayed for the people that were in the kitchen. Within three weeks, I got born again. The church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I walked into that room and I kept saying, these people have something that I don't have yet. I don't know what it is. I can't understand it. But when I walk out of the kitchen and into that banquet hall, there's a presence. There's a peace. There's something. These people caught something that I have not caught yet. And it gripped my attention. And it caused me. Just a few days later, when my son Michael was ready to be delivered, to get on my knees in the, in the father's waiting room and say, God, if you're real, 
take care of my child. We had lost a baby before that. Take care of this child. If you'll watch over this child, take care of this child, you could have my life, whatever you want to do with it, I don't care. I didn't really think he was going to take me up on it. <laughs> you know, it's like when you got drunk, you're laying in bed, go, oh, God, if I just make it to the morning, I'll never drink again. I thought it would be like one of those things. But he took me up on it Amen. and took my life. Have there been bumps in the road? Yeah. 21 years now in ministry, and we feel like we're just getting started. Have there been bumps in the road? Yeah. But you know, what, you know what's emblazed before my eyes? The cause. Have there been disappointments? Have there been betrayals? Absolutely. Has there been pain? Has there been suffering? Absolutely. But the cause is so emblazed before my eyes. And last year, he turned the flames up and said, Bricktown's not enough. Now, I'm going to give you opportunities to open up campuses all over central New Jersey. And we witnessed the first one last Sunday. But when I said yes to Christ, I'll never forget that night, 9.30 on a Wednesday night, April the 25th, 1984. I immediately walked out of that building knowing I was part of a family that cared for me, that would pray for me that would take me by the hand and walk me through the difficulties of life. But watch this now. I could have kept going to that building and sitting in the same chair, but yet not being part of the church. You don't qualify to be the church just by attending a building, sitting in a chair, giving an offering. You are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ when you have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then you immediately become the church. Listen to me. My time's running out. Love one another. Cherish one another. Lay down your life for one another. Pray for one another. Carry the burdens of one another. Bless one another. Our power is increased tremendously when we will just forget about the faults and forget about the flaws and overlook the human side of us and just decide to see Jesus in others. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you would cause the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened. That we would know what the hope of your calling is, Father. That we would appreciate one another. As we cherish one another, Lord. It is a demonstration of how we cherish Jesus. And all that he did for us. How he suffered. So that his blood would be shed for our forgiveness. But that blood... It's the foundation of the church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for opening our eyes. Thank you for making us sensitive to one another's needs. Thank you for overlooking our flaws and our weaknesses. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for drawing us into your family, into the body of Christ. 
We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.